Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And as you can see, we have some special guests with us this week. We welcome back family of the show, Ricky Nurse. Welcome, sir. Thank you. And of course, for his second time, we have the draft guru, Mr. Mark Thompson. Welcome, gentlemen. I feel very uncomfortable you calling me draft guru, but okay. <laughs> now, of course, we are very glad to see you guys. And of course, this is a special time of the year. Now, the sporting world is abuzz with excitement because there's been a lot of activity in the last seven days since AJ and I were last here. Now, just yesterday, we had the first Champions League semi-final between Manchester City and Real Madrid. That was no defense and a thrill a minute. And of course, the first round of the most intriguing NBA playoffs in recent history is still ongoing. We've come to realize that Ben Simmons' brain is throwing his back out of back and the Nets went to Cancun with the swiftness befitting a seven seed. But for all of the all of the fun and games of the past seven days, the center of the American sporting world will now revolve around Las Vegas, Nevada, because it is time for the NFL draft. And in case you don't know, the first round of the draft is tomorrow. And we're going to have rounds two to four on Friday. And then the draft finishes with the last three rounds on Saturday, five, six, and seven. Now, we had our esteemed guests on a few weeks ago to preview the draft. But as expected, a lot has changed since then. Tyreek Hill, well, he went for a first, second, and fourth round pick from this year's draft to the Dolphins from the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Dolphins, they got back a 2023 third-round pick for Devante Parker from the Patriots, who then moved their fifth-round pick to the Texans for their sixth and seventh-round picks of this season's draft. So, gentlemen, we're going to start with you, Mark, on this one. When you see this degree of movement from these teams and wide receivers, Especially being the players who are getting moved around, how does this influence what these teams most likely do in the draft? Well, in general, with that kind of movement uh, before the draft, is, and it's a little bit unusual, um, I think it says a lot about what they think about the draft. Like, they, like how good the players are, especially in those areas coming out. And um, also, uh, well, I mean, the draft is kind of deep, but not like deep at a high level. That's probably the best way to put it. It's like thick. It's like a thick draft, but it's not like a lot of a lot of blue chip players, a lot of high end players. Mm -hmm. I think that reflects that. I think also it's a copycat lead. And I've heard Ricky say this before, so I wanted to give him his props. The Rams just did it. The Rams don't care about draft picks. They, they just, they just, you know, they just bring in the players 
and somehow they get it working, the chemistry working. They have, a, I guess, it works between the, the, the coaches and the, and, the, and the front office management, and they get it going, and they just won with that formula. And they kick, and kicking the can down the road to as far as the salary cap goes. So it's a copycat league. And I guess they're all thinking that. It's just that I think that some of the teams that are doing it are not at that point, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure why some of them are doing it. I'm not sure why they think they're at that point. But hey, you never know. I mean, people do things, you know, for whatever reason. We we think that just because the these managers and, and so forth are being paid a whole lot of money that they know they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> That is fair. What about you, Ricky? When you see what's happening in in these draft moves, what's your impression? Yeah, like for me, as you guys know, I always like to look at the marketing side of things. I saw the Rams released a mini movie. That's all I can call it. I shared it with some of you guys. That mini movie smacks of the arrogance that the Rams are feeling themselves right now. I mean, I rewatched that thing about 10 times. <laughs> I see it just smiling. Because that no, tells I, me... I, haven't, okay. I actually haven't got to, gone to watch it yet, so I'm listening to okay. your reaction on it. Yeah, yeah, but when you get a chance, what that yeah. tells me is that, that tells me, as Mark was saying, they figure their playbook work, they figure their off-season moves work, they figure the things that they did in terms of almost ignoring the draft and the draft capital and going after lower-round picks, still had a presence in the draft, but going after lower-round picks and going after, you know, blue-chip free agents, and it worked for them. On the other side of the coin, though, we had the Cincinnati Bengals who were able to go from worst to first, so to speak, um, by looking at the draft and saying, okay, I'm going to need to acquire uh, a solid um, wide receiver to go with my quarterback and, 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 you know, steadily going about it by the draft. So it was interesting for me because we literally had in the most recent Super Bowl the contrast of build through the draft, um, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase versus, I can't even say it on this show because it's a family program, but we all know what the Rams GM says about draft picks. So the beauty of that is, as Mark said, and I love to say, it's a copycat league, but now you have to decide which playbook are you going to copy. Are you going to copy the Rams? and forget draft picks, or are you going to copy the Bengals and dream of going from worst to first? And that's the beauty about this particular draft, and that's why I think it has so much interest. And also, as a marketer, fantasy football also comes into play, because there's no question that when you really take a deep dive into fantasy football, you start to really get more excited about these assets and where they land and what it could mean in terms of the multi-million dollar industry that's on that side of it. So I think from that perspective, we, we are fortunate because we have two different playbooks, two different directions, and it's going to be interesting on um, tomorrow night to see what direction these these teams choose to go. What about you, AJ? When you see all of this movement in the draft, what what do you feel? Um, I, I think Mark hit the nail on the head, to be very honest. And that, that was one of the first things that I thought um, that it, it is because to, to, let me make this other point. I feel like in recent years, I don't know if it's just me, but in recent years, the draft has been marketed a bit more the, the, like the, the, as, as the draft as, as, uh, as a, 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 a product 
product itself, that's the right word, yeah, itself, mm -hmm. has been marketed a lot more in past seasons than it has this year. To me, like, I don't feel like I'm hearing a lot about the draft. Only because I'm in despair do I know that, yeah, it is this weekend and whatnot. But in terms of, like, just, like, regular stuff like TV ads, and I don't even feel like I'm seeing that much about the draft on social media even. And it has a lot to do with what Mark said, in my opinion, right? Is, is that... As, as deep as, as it may be, it's, it is not one where there's a great disparity between the level of the players that is... And, and, and this is one of those years where we don't even have a Heisman winner in the draft, right? So that, that kind of takes a little bit um, out of it because even in like the last few seasons, the last time we did not was like 2017 with Lamar Jackson in terms of like not having a Heisman winner being in a draft. It was with Lamar Jackson, but there was still a lot more names who were being touted because that was the year when Deshaun went, um, uh, whoever was the other quarterbacks. I don't know why names are slipping me at this point, but mm. um, still there were, especially like more quarterbacks, more, some more offensive talent coming out in that draft that, that were, as Mark called them, blue chips, right? And it, it, it doesn't seem like that's the case this year. Quarterback-wise, we're hearing two names for the most part, maybe a third here and there. So... Um, I think that has definitely influenced what teams are doing, I, especially in, in uh, look at Mike. Uh, the fact that we traded for Devante Parker coming off of the year that he had, but still, still, still a very good talent. <laughs> I love this trade, you know. but anyhow, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I all don't know. Look, I actually really rate Devante Parker. You know. I mean, injuries, it was, we'll see how that plays out, but I, I really like the trade. Um, but, and also the fact that we were willing to, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Patriots initiated this trade of trading away that fifth to get a six and seven. Uh, that's where Bill does his best work, down in the doldrums. So, um, <laughs> like Mark said, I, I, and I, with, to which the point to which I concur is that it, it has a lot to do with, with the level of the talent. And this is not to back him or anything like that. It's just, as, as, as uh, it, it, it is deep with talent, but not any outstanding or um, very in intriguingly noticeable talent. So, uh, oh, that, that, uh, sorry, I should say that, that probably teams don't think would help them in the immediate run. And that kind of goes into what they said as well with regards to like the copycat league and, you know, people looking at, at the Rams model right now. So, but I'll let you go ahead. No, I mean... The one thing about it that I picked up very early in the whole draft chatter, and I don't listen to a lot of it, honestly, because I don't know the players, which is why in an episode like this, I will be quarterbacking again. I will just be playing point guard and just passing it to you guys who know these players. I don't know them. But the one comment that we were hearing a lot of is that this draft doesn't really contain any can't-miss players. There is no Deshaun Watson in this draft. There is no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. There's none of, none of those kinds of players are in this draft, mm. which then leads nicely into the next topic of our conversation today, which is the, the most baffling trade that has gone down so far in my opinion. I didn't mention it in the first group, 
because I wanted us to spend a little time talking about this one. And that's the trade that was strictly for draft picks, consummated between my New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles, where the Saints traded this year's first round pick, next year's first round pick, this year's third and seventh round picks as well as 2024's second round pick for two first round picks from the Eagles as well as a sixth round pick in this year's draft. So for those who need a little help with the math, the Saints have given away this year's first and third for two first and a sixth in, in this year's draft, plus giving away my first round pick next year and my seventh round pick uh, is, is a little bit much. Now in draft positions, they moved up from 18 to 16, and then they still got 19 as well. Now, at first glance, honestly, this makes little sense to me. I understand that we have drafted very well historically, especially within the last like, five years. We've done an extremely good job of drafting. But to give up next year's first and 2024's second round picks aren't filling my heart with joy, especially knowing that the Saints as an organization are always in salary cap hell. And the draft is the easiest way to get cheap labor. We have some holes to fill, not least of all at wide receiver. And one thing we're keeping on hearing is that this draft is loaded with wide out talent. And you can never have too much talent on the offensive line. But maybe I'm just looking at it from a position of ignorance and not understanding that there may actually be some gems in this draft. So Ricky, tell me if I am missing something. Yes, sir. I think two things are at play here. You have a team in the scenes that are saying, listen, we recognize that we made some mistakes in one of the most important positions in the game, high quarterback position. And we want to put ourselves in a position that if there is a diamond in the rough in this draft, we have a chance to move up for him. And I don't think the Saints may be done in terms of the moving up. So I think from the Saints' perspective, it is we have a team we believe can win now. As much as people are hyping Tom's return and Tampa Bay and whatever, the, the, the Saints believe that they, they own the Bucks and they can win the division. So therefore... Let's not put all of our faith in Jameis, not only for this year and going forward, but let's put ourselves in a position that if there is a QB that we want, let's move up and put ourselves with enough draft capital that we can go after him. I think that's what's going on in the CNC. The Eagles are telling us loud and clear that we don't quite trust the QB that we have. Therefore, let's acquire some draft capital. That if this young man does not work this season, we are better equipped with more draft capital to go after the quarterback that we want in a year in 2023 when the quarterback standard is believed to be much higher. So both teams are telling you quite clearly what their plans are. One team says we can win this division. The NFC is does not belong to any one team. So let's go after it, right? Because they're not fully saying in Jameis we trust. They're saying, Jameis, you're a nice fella, but there's a guy we want, let's put ourselves in position to go after that person. Okay, what about you, Mark? Um, yeah, I, I think that um, the, it's clear what, what the Eagles are thinking. They're like, they, they got, and they've been doing this for, for a couple of years now. So, I mean, um, and 
they don't ever stick in the same position that they that they, that they begin at. And uh, they definitely are putting themselves in a position where if Hertz doesn't work out this year, that they have some capital to move up and get a, a QB of their choice. That, that To me, that's clearly what they're doing. In terms of the Saints, it's a little bit unclear. Um, yes, the Saints have a good all-round team. They have a great, a very good defense, um, but they have a gaping hole at tackle. Um, Armstead's gone. You need to find a tackle. And the tackles, uh, they really only have, I would say, maybe three can't miss tackles in this, in this, four. in this, four. maybe four, but I, but, you know, in this, uh, in this draft, and maybe they're putting themselves in the position, positioning to get one of them. That's, I, I think that's part of it. And I think they need a wide receiver as well. So I, I, I think, I think that is what they are doing. I, I not, I don't know that they don't trust Jameis. I think they're okay with him, but, but, but because if you, yeah, I think they're hedging. Yes, maybe QB wise, but at the same time, if that's not what they're doing, then I think it's the it's the tackle slash wide receiver thing. It's more, yeah, I, 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 I think so, and and. And the reason why I'm saying that's because you trade away your 23 first round draft pick. Correct. Because if you were if you were really hedging, I can't believe that you could leave that much in these QBs in this core. I could be wrong, but um, you're saying because then you're saying you're putting yourself in a precarious position to get a, a QB next year because you don't have a first round draft pick right now. Maybe you do something else to do to deal with that i don't know you you might say well i'll deal with that when i when it comes to that but right now i am thinking it's more to get tackle and wide receiver and not necessarily qb that's what i think okay what about you aj any thoughts i don't know how to follow that up i think that was a very <laughs> deep analysis i put those guys um, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be very honest. I did not look at the details of the trade before, as in what picks were traded before you just mentioned it. So I was still trying to wrap my head around it, right? That's a lot. Um, what I did think before, though, is the fact that, like, all I had, um, all I had up here is that the fact that your team is not imploding or, or, or blowing up... Um, to, to start to restart to start over right so i i'm all i assumed was that the trade is in lieu of trying to fortify and strengthen positions that you need at this point because as you said the draft is a place to get some cheap labor so I, I figured out from your perspective i had not noticed what it was the eagles are getting but based on the analysis i have to completely i i understand and I, I completely agree with what um mark and ricky both said with regards to like the Eagles aligning themselves in the future to potentially move off of Dylan if he continues to hurt them. That's essentially what it is. So I mean, I will be I'll be completely honest. When I saw this draft, and sorry, this trade of draft picks, it was impossible for me to separate my fandom from what was happening. 
So I have not been able to do any kind of analysis on the Eagles or what the Eagles have been doing. I've only been looking at this from the Saints' perspective. And I understand and I agree, yes, we do have a deficiency, no tackle. But the expectation was that we were always going to let Armstead go. The Because Armstead has been a little injury prone over the last couple of seasons. And the price tag that he would have commanded relative to what he has been giving us. And again, salary cap hell. There's no way that we would have then been able to shut out the money for him and still be able to build the rest of our roster to maintain some level of, well, cap, um, working within our cap and then being able to improve the roster where it needs to be improved. Like, if we, ha we had the choice, really, to try to keep him or Marcus Williams, and in the end, we let both go. So that is also a position that we have a need at you now at safety. And they brought in um, Sorensen when we could have potentially brought in Honey Badger. And I don't understand that either. I The Saints right now, they have me very confused. I, in some cases, it feels as if they got confused going into the offseason. And now they're, they're trying to find the head from the foot. And they're making some questionable decisions. But in Mickey Loomis, we trust because he has been doing a very good job for us recently. I understand that um, Roseman over in Philly, he just likes to start player draft picks. He likes to wheel and deal. So he seems to be one of those guys that's not seen a deal that he didn't like. So we'll see. We'll see what happens because I am sure that a lot of movement is still to come on these last couple of days before the start of the draft and even during that first round. Agreed. Um, don't underestimate to the impact of Sean Payton leaving. A very steady hand and strong hand. Obviously been there could he only left, he decided to leave. So therefore he has a lot of say in how things are structured and who gets drafted and all that. So no, he's not there. His voice is not there. So there could be ag agreed a little bit of a little bit of confusion because the new coach doesn't have that cachet, okay. you know. And so therefore now, and he may want to do things a little differently. So everybody may not be singing from the same hymn book right now. It's very mm. possible. So don't underestimate the fact Sean Payton is just, you know, is not there. And that 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 has has impact. In regards to the safety, you can get safeties in the draft. So they'll be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know I, I still don't like talking about Sean Payton leaving. That that still stings. It's quite well. That's a conversation for another time. So you know, one of the main features of every draft is that players' stock keeps moving up and down. But for the first time, there doesn't seem to be any consensus on the number one pick of the draft. And we don't even quite know which picks are going to go in the top 10. I saw one person on Twitter, I can't remember, I think it might have been Phil Yates, who said that in this year, we, we could see players who 
some people or many people have first round grades falling to the second or third round and players who aren't graded so highly that may have second or third round grades going in the first round. This draft feels like it is all over the place. So since the last time that we were here, Mark, whose stock have you seen moving the most? Oh. Um, I want to say Derek Stingley because there's a big question mark on him coming into this draft. So we know he had the 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 the, the season of a lifetime as a freshman. Everybody said, "Oh shoot, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread as far as cornerbacks go." Then the next year. Nothing much, but of course, um, the whole LSU defense was horrible in 2020. So maybe he gets a pass here. But then he came into 2021, and it's it's I I only found this out recently. I don't know if Ricky knew or others knew, but apparently he played through a whole season with a Liz Frank without Liz Frank injury. It isn't something that he just got during the season. He played the whole season with it. So with that in mind, they say, well, okay, all right. So then he goes and tears up his uh, pro day. And now that he tears up pro day, everybody's like, okay, well, you know what? This is the player from 2019. No, he got it. He had an injury, played through the injury in 21. The defense stunk in, in 2020. So you know what? Yeah. So right now, don't be surprised if he's picked within the top five, in my opinion, based on what I'm hearing right now. And um, so, yeah, I think he's the biggest mover in this draft right now, as far as going up. Okay. Where were you, Ricky? Um, I would go with Trayvon Walker from Georgia simply because when the conversations started, we heard about Georgia's defense as a unit. We didn't have individual players singled out as, as great or, you know, like high draft capital players to the point of top five. All of a sudden now, the rumor mill has started churning on social media saying, well, this guy may go number one tomorrow night. That's significant because the last time I remember this is when one Baker Mayfield all of a sudden became the hottest thing since sliced bread. And he did go number one to Cleveland that particular draft. So I'm just curious to see if tomorrow night, if Trayvon Walker actually translates that hype and rumor into that number one pick by Jacksonville. Because I I, I, I mean, I always tease more. I watch the college games from my stint. And I do not see a number one draft pick in, in in Trayvon Walker. So if he does indeed go number one, it will show me that, as I told Mark last night when we did our preview, the underwear Olympics still matter. Because anytime a player can just, you know, put on it, skin to nothing, rumble on the field, make some plays, and then translate that into, you know, maybe the mid-teens, and then translate that into the more bit, it will show me that the, num the underwear Olympics still matter. So I'm very curious to see. But right now, all of the hype, all of the pundits are saying, look, this dude is going to go number one. So I, I look forward to seeing if that really happens on, on Thursday. Okay. 
So then, of course, you know, there's that side of the coin. That's the, the positive. Then there's always the negative. Somebody whose draft capital seems to be falling through the floor. So, Ricky, who is that person for you at this point? Um, for me, I would... Hmm, I would go with with Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas, only because at one point he was the number one wide receiver on everybody's board. Um, produced in the SEC, produced against top flight teams like Alabama. Everyone was saying, okay, um, this is our, our number one wide receiver without a doubt. And again, a funny thing happened at the Underwear Olympics. Ran a 4-5-3. Guys kind of said, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this guy is not Debo Samuel. Maybe, you know, this guy is someone else. And now you are, are seeing people put out their top five wide receivers and sometimes he's not even in it. So it's going to be interesting to see um, where he ends up. And if he ends up in a, you know, in a positive environment, so be it. But it's amazing to me to see a guy who was kind of almost the undisputed number one wide receiver. And now everyone's list comes out and he's sixth or he's seventh. But he's an also ran relative to that top five. So for me, that would be the, the faller for sure. Um, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame on a level as well, based again on 40 time. Uh, those would be my two in terms of specialist positions. Okay, what about you, Mark? Who is the biggest follower for you so far? I, th I think Burks is a, is a good one, but I'm going to go um, Tyler Lindenbaum. I, I, I think he, he, he was, people were talking about him being possibly in the top seven, certainly top ten. I don't see it right now. Um, he, he he was being talked about as being the best center since whenever. And um, there are not very many centers that get picked in the first round to begin with. And um, and you can probably count them on one hand. And uh, and also, um, what happened to him was also uh, the measurables at the combine didn't help him either. But I think when people also start looking at more of his tape and look at the kind of uh, offense that they're running, people start to come to their senses a little bit. But he's a, a sort of a, a spread, you know, zone kind of scheme. And um, so, I mean, he's a center at 290 pounds, a little bit slightly undersized with T-Rex arms. So he may have good technique, but if you've got short arms, that's not going to be helpful to you. So... Uh, so I, his, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he is not up in that top tier anymore. And he was being talked about the first interior lineman coming off the board. I see other interior linemen coming off before him. Zion Johnson, uh, Kenyon Green. I see those definitely coming off before him. And so he, he will, I still think he may very well go in the first round. But um, but not so high anymore. Okay. Now, listening to you guys talk about these players, it brought to mind a question, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Or if you were a GM, what would your philosophy be? And that is, you know, in a lot of cases, we 
hear about these players who may be first-round draft picks, who may not be a first-round draft pick, or this is the kind of player that they need, but the actual player that they got was a reach. Right. So, when if you are a GM and you're going to be making the pick, do you pick the player that best suits your needs regardless of what position you're picking in. So you could be picking third, but your team is solid everywhere but a safety. So do you pick the safety with the third overall pick? Or do you pick the best player available and then get the safety later on when it will be more acceptable to pick a safety? What is your perspective, Ricky? Um, in the past, I believe you went. I, I believe you should go with need. I've learned, however, over the years, picking the best talent available works out for a number of teams because it gives you talent that sometimes becomes a tradable asset. I'll give an example. I remember when the New York Jets selected Jamal Adams. Um, some people thought it was a reach. I was, I didn't know enough at the time to debate whether it was or not. But what I realized over time is that when you have an asset like that and you convert it, ironically, we have the 10th pick in this draft because of a Jamal Adams trade. Um, so I learned over time that some GMs say, look, you pick best player available because you don't know if in year three of that rookie deal, you're going to need to convert that talent into another um, asset and give yourself some draft capital. So over the years, I've, I've thought that you go with the best player available at that level that you say, Ken, because you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know if you're going to have to convert that into something else that may give you more capital to fill a need at the time. So I've, I've over the last, certainly over the last four years, my mindset have, has changed. And if I were the GM, I would go with the best um, talent available regardless of position. I'm sure that Mark has a different view, but that's what I would do. What about you, Mark? Right. So best player available generally works because of two things. If you're picking a top of draft, you have so many needs, so it really don't matter. And if you're picking near the bottom of the draft, you can afford to pick best player bill because you have a lot of good players and then you can have tradable assets and all that sort of thing. Um, I do think there's a little bit of nuance there though. I think that um, there's something called positional value. Mm -hmm. So you could have the best player could be a running back. So let's take my team, for example. 2018, the New York Giants picked Saquon Barkley. Second overall. Right? Now, fantastic player. Even if he didn't have the injuries, he might still be doing well and so forth. But the question is, you have to ask yourself whether or not that position is really going to impact you so much that it causes you to win games. So I do think that positional value is important in picking best player available. So you have to weigh it out a little bit because you know, so because if you have like a Sauce Gardner and a Kyle Hamilton, who do you pick? 
right? No, you know, I just I can show you who you pick when but you get the but you get I think it's so I think there's a little a little nuance in there in relation to to positional positional value. Now it also comes down to scheme. Obviously different um, teams have different kinds of schemes and certain players might be more important for them in their particular scheme. So it, it varies a little bit. Well what were you agent? If you're the GM, are you picking best player available or are you picking player best fitting your needs? Um, so I don't know if you saw me nodding <clears throat> when Mark started speaking, right? The reason why is because when he mentioned the, the Saquon trade, is the reason why is because he mentioned the Saquon trade. And, and it's because I, I, I myself, my mind went back to, I said trade the Saquon um, drop, drop pick, yeah, yeah, drop it, yeah, and and it is because my mind went back to that when you initially asked this question, because I if and again correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember correctly, it was it was kind of well enough publicized that someone was going to be the second pick for for you guys, right, Mark? Yeah, but, absolutely. And it's because and it's because of the fact that he was supposed to be the surefire talent, right? But I also don't answer. Pardon? generational talent that you can't say exactly exactly from Penn State correct and it wasn't necessarily that you guys needed a running back at that point in time if I I mean obviously I, I can't we remember needed, we, needed a run, we needed a running back okay you did okay we so, definitely uh, needed a running back yeah but for, for well regardless though he was he was obviously going to be better than what you had because as you said based on the on the position you guys were picking in um but it it, it Ken, to get back to the initial question, the reason I, I what I would say is is you pick the best talent, especially in when you have a pool where you you have like what is supposed to be like can't miss or generational talent. You go with the talent because, as Ricky alluded to already, they could turn into tradable assets. If 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 your organization, if your team down the line does not work out, then you still have something. Because even though look at Saquon, the Giants could still could still get something back for him. Agreed. If they choose to 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 get rid of him, right? Um, so I, I I would say in 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 most cases, you go for the best player in the draft. It's it, it it just so happens that sometimes the team that's picking number one needs a quarterback. So if there's a, a quarterback available that is a very good talent, that ends up happening. You know that that kind of stuff. But um, the thing is, in this year's draft, I don't even know what do you do. <laughs> Because I just, I just, I mean, our draft gurus are here, so they'll take us, walk us through the draft and who they feel will go where later on. But I, I just from my, from where I sit, as, as with the knowledge that I have, I just don't feel like I've heard enough names. And, and we just spoke about that, right? There's no one name that is being touted as, as the, the definite number one pick as opposed to recent years. So in this case, it, it kind of feels more like draft according to, uh, according to um, what, what position you need filled. It just seems like that this, to, for me, this year, if I were in that position, I may look to do that in, in this, coming out of this draft, if I wasn't able to like move some picks around like all of these other franchises have been able to do. But generally, I, I, I'd say when you have the... the the blue chip talent, then you go for them. Let me just add, I read an article on NFL.com that showed that 
almost 60% of the talent on starting rosters in the NFL right now are what you would call day two picks. So the article was showing you that as much as we obsess with the day one and the first round, mm. the article was showing you that a lot of those players don't pan out and that the majority of rosters in the NFL are made up of what takes place in round two and three in draft. It was just very, very interesting to see. Right? So the person was saying, look, as much as people are going to have these draft parties on Thursday night, these rosters are built based on what happens on Friday and yeah. to some degree on Saturday. Yeah. That, strength, that strengthens the, the rounds, right? The rounds approach, yeah. right? Yes, it does. And the article, I don't think it was being written necessarily pro rounds, but it's just interesting to see the percentages of these rosters that are made up based on what happens on Friday and Saturday. I mean, a, a QB is a very good example of positional value. Because clearly, law QBs get taken in the first round, and they're definitely not necessarily top first round talents. You know, I'm mm-hmm. gonna take I'm gonna take my team as an example again, so nobody can choke at me. I'm gonna say we took Daniel Jones in 2019 at the number six pick. Is he really a number six pick? Well, you have until June first. You have until June first to decide. If you can give him $23 million, so... May 2nd. Uh, May 2nd. Oh, sorry. Even worse. Right. May 2nd. I, I, I wanted to not May 2nd is next week, huh? Yeah, I don't see us doing that. I don't okay. see us doing that. I don't... I think it's May 2nd, yeah. I, I don't... I don't, I, don't, I don't see us doing that. I see... I don't see the point in doing that because you don't know what you have in him. You're, you're giving him an opportunity to do something this year. And if you commit 20-something million right now, it, just that, it's committed. So if he, if he pans out, you negotiate something. You could, you, could, you could tag him, franchise tag him, and negotiate something. Or if he doesn't, you just let him go. So will the Ravens do the same with Lamar? That's a very good question. It seems to me that the Ravens just are not completely sold on Lamar. They're not. It would it would imply that based on how other teams have locked up their guys. Yeah, uh, I mean just the same thing. Kyler Murray, are no soul on Kyler Murray. Mm. Kyler Murray went number one overall. No, without Oklahoma QBs, so I, I would never. I would, <laughs> I would never, never have picked Kyler Murray number. I'm not saying he's not a player. I just think he's a player that is very scheme-specific. So you had to have the right coach and everything in place. I and I, I don't want and I don't want to judge him on his last game, but that the kind of mistakes that he made in that last game is one thing when you're playing regular season games, it's another thing when you're playing playoff games. That's all I have I mean, to say. I mean, you're facing the Rams and the 49ers defense twice a, twice a year. Pressure and burst pipe. So it's, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, right, Mark, about um, the fact that you just said that you wouldn't have taken Kyler at number one, right? And you said that he's a... Uh, uh, scheme specific. Scheme QB. Um, I, I've, I've, I've thought this before, that... 
if if it wasn't Arizona picking number one, I could see Kyler not having been not having gone. I don't think he was a surefire number he one pick. I think sure. he was the number one pick because it was Arizona. Oh, and, absolutely. And 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 the fact that you know they were rebuilding much yeah. to Ken's behest at that point. That they they were still no no because of the quarterback it was a coach that was more on the coaches by the quarterback like I said they, they were they were building everything uh, everything back um from from the ground up right so it was scrap every single thing that we tried before and and start all over so with regards to that scheme yeah yes they figured that that um old Cliff Kingsbury was was the the guy yeah, the, to implement the, that scheme for Keller so. Hence him being the number one pick, but I'm so I'm not going against you. I'm just kind of like piggybacking off of your point to say I, I do agree with you. Huh? It, Understood. Yeah, it, Understood. I really, I really think he could have he could have fallen down a draft had it been another team. Yeah. And had there not been that that gaping need for a quarterback because Joshua's in his trash. <laughs> but, it's, but it's interesting because they extended Kingsbury. So yeah. what's yeah, going on? Right. And I so therefore it makes me wonder what And Steve can't get his extension too. Got his extension. Uh, right. So it's so I wonder, well, I don't how long did they extend Kingsbury for? I mean, like, do you get the details of such a contract? I mean, is it like a player sometimes you know you say you extend a player for three years, mm-hmm. but it's really a one year deal. So I mean <laughs> You know, could Kingsbury have a, a extension, but with contingent, not contingencies, with um, yeah, clauses? Yeah, you never know. You know, like you have to achieve certain certain things for you to continue to. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's the case. I don't know, but that's just my 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 two cents. Just trying to read into that situation there. All right. So before we get out of here, we're going to put you guys on the clock again. Mm-hmm. With the the twenty twenty two NFL draft, so now you get to make your selections on behalf of these teams who are still in the first round because we know we have a couple that are not. So, Mark, with the first pick of the twenty twenty two NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. I'm going to drop a bombshell here. We are selecting Trayvon Walker. <laughs> no, that's not what that's not what I would do necessarily. And some of these picks, it might be what I might do, but it's also some of what I'm hearing. This particular situation is what I'm hearing. You have an owner, a manager, and a and a coach who want three different people. Who's mm. going to win out? The owner, he kind of probably will give up to one the manager or the or the or the coach. Um, the owner, I understand, wants Thibodeau. The manager is, wants Trayvon Walker, and the coach wants Neil. Is he a Neil or Quano? But he wants a tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, given what um, Jags have done in the free agency in the offseason with sewing up some tackle spots and so forth. And missing that Christian Kirk contract. And that Christian Kirk. I just think that um that they're going to go edge. And this guy, Trent Balke, who let me give you a little background. He was in the 49ers as a GM with Jim Harbaugh. 
the two of them do not get along. Mm. Remember where Hutchinson comes from? Michigan. He comes from Michigan. Who is the coach of Michigan? Harbaugh. Do you think Trent Balke is going to take Hutchinson and he hates, he, I mean, he really does not like Harbaugh? I don't see it. And on top of that, he's a real traits guy. If you look at the kind of players that he's picked um, for the Fortnite, like Alden Smith. So I think, I thought it was foolishness at first. When I started to dig a little deeper, I really think that Trayvon Walker is going to go number one to the Jags. That's it. It's odd that they're not listening to a to a um, to a Super Bowl winning coach, though. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we at pick number two now. So Ricky, you're on the clock. Well, if you slip, you slide. So the second pick, the Detroit Lions are taking. The Detroit Lions will run to hand in their pick. They will run to the podium. And hand in their pick and select Aiden Hutchinson, Edge, University of Michigan. So you keep the Michigan boy in the state of Michigan. No brainer. All right. So moving on then to the third overall pick, the Houston Texans are selecting Derek Stingley. I told you he was a big mover. And based on what I'm hearing, they have worked him out quite a bit, and it seems to me that that's the, that's the direction that they're going to go in. It is, it is one of the things that they do need. Um, they could go with edge. They could go with tackle. I mean, they go anything, really. But <laughs> I think um, they're going to go with Sting. That's what I think. All right, Rick. So with the fourth pick, we have your New York Jets. This is going to be interesting. My New York Jets are going to run to the podium and select Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge, Oregon Ducks. And following up that fourth pick, Mark, your New York Jets are selecting. I am going to pick um, Evan Neal. I am going to pick Evan Neal, which, but I do think they could go with. They might. They might. They might surprise everybody. And go with Cross. All right. All right, Rick, so we're at number six. So Carolina. No, oh, sweet I, Carolina. I love to make fun of Carolina <laughs> because Carolina loves to make fun of Carolina. <laughs> so based on what we have seen, I mean, for me to get what I got in this draft from them via Sam Darnold, and for them to part ways with what they parted with for Sam Darnold, I still can't believe it. But anyway, I think Carolina is between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Technically, they need to protect the quarterback. But I don't know if they trust the quarterback. So I'm going to flip the script here. Mark flipped the script on me earlier. I'm going to flip the script on him now. <laughs> and I'm going to let the Carolina Panthers select Charles Cross. Offensive tackle because it makes logical sense to protect the quarterback. Even though the rumor mill is swirling in other directions, I'm going to say that Matt Rule finally listens to someone and says, stop <laughs> complaining about the QB and actually protect the QB. Okay. I think that was a good pick. 
So no, by way of Chicago, the New York Giants are on the clock again at pick number seven, and they are selecting Sauce Gardner. Let's get some sauce in New York. <laughs> you had applesauce and dying work up to All right. Um, so we at pick number eight. So Ricky, the Dirty Birds are going with who at eight? Yeah, you of all people know that the Dirty Birds have a way of fumbling a lead. They have a way of taking a positive situation and messing it up. So there's so many things that Atlanta need. Let's start mm -hmm. there. Um, unfortunately for them, the you have Marcus Mariota. The only weapon you have for him to throw to right now looks like Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to say Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, the Ohio State University, on the basis that if you don't give Mariota someone to throw to, then you waste in time. So the first wide receiver off the board, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. Mm -hmm. All right, and now with the ninth pick, the Denver Broncos have given away their pick to Seattle. So the Seattle Seahawks are selecting. Well, I can't believe that he fell this far, but be going with Iquanu. Mm hmm Icky. Tackle. They need a they need a tackle. They need a tackle for sure. And it's also a best player available. He's really good. I could have picked him up five even. Yeah, Seattle have a lot of needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Seattle, so they traded their tenth pick. Ricky, this is you again. It's your Jets. So your second pick in this draft is going to be who? You're going to go to London and select Drake London. Wide receiver, Westy Trojan, a man that was able to be productive on a team that had Amor Ross and um, Brown, on a team that had, um, who was the other wide receiver that was with the Trojans at the time? Um, I think the wide receiver at the Colts, I think he was at the USC. Pittman? Yes, Pittman. Michael Pittman as well. So we can go with Drake London. We can get some size to go with what we have with Elijah Moore. And again, it's all about giving the quarterback some options. So Drake London, wide receiver, USC Trojan. All right. And now the Washington Commanders. They are on the clock at number 11. And they are selecting who? Well, they are the NFC East. And I would love to give them the worst receiver on the board. But... <laughs> But unfortunately, I have to play fair. So I'm going with Jameson Williams. They are, they are, um, they need a, they definitely need a wide receiver. And he's, in my opinion, he could be the top wide receiver in the draft. And um, he did need somebody to appear with uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, that's how I pronounce it, McLaurin. 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 McLaurin, right. There you go. Um, and, um, so yeah, I go with, uh, Jameson Williams. All right. So now we get to pick number 12 and it is the Vikes. Yes. So Rick, Vikings. They're going to go for a safety of the University of Notre Dame. Um, Kyle Hamilton. I, I, I could have, I could have definitely see that one coming. Yes, that, that <laughs> definitely fits. 
All right, so you know Cleveland is giving away the farm to bring in Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so now Houston has Cleveland's first round pick at number 13. So Houston selects. Yeah, um, Houston selects. Um, they took, they took um, Stingley. Yeah, Stingley. Yeah. yeah, so they do need Edge, and I really like this guy. So we can go with Jermaine Johnson. All right, I swear he used to play for U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> yeah, they had one. Anyhow, um, all right. Another edge. Another, we're at pick number 14. All right, Ricky. So who do you have the, the Ravens, the other birds, taking at pick number 14? Now, this one is going to be interesting because <laughs> we were saying earlier about best player available and so on. I don't know that this is necessarily best player available. But again, this is where we're going to lean into the rumor mill and lean into the need of the team. Jordan Davis, the massive 370-plus pound defensive tackle. Again, another Georgia Bulldog. Okay. So now Miami, well, they traded their first round pick to Philadelphia. So now the Philadelphia Eagles, at number 15, they select Chris Olave from Ohio. Where <laughs> receivers falling out the truck, man. <laughs> I think that's going to happen, but we'll see. Tomorrow, I think that's going to happen, but we'll see. Okay. All right. So. Can Saints are on the board having the number 16 pick via um, whatever trade it was with the Colts? I, I can't remember at this point. No, that's the trade of the, the Colts traded with Philly and, with Philly. Uh, and then Philly traded with us. There we go. Okay. Oh, right, right. Yes, right. So that because that was 16. There we go. Yeah. So, all right. Rick, number mm -hmm. 16, Ken Saints. Yes, in full alignment. Tell him something nice. Tell him something nice. Yes, in full alignment with our conversation earlier, Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. Okay. I'm not going to complain about that, for sure. <laughs> so now, number 17, we have the Elliott Chargers. They're on the clock. And Mark, they pick who? Right. I would have I would have loved to have gone for Trevor Penning. Um, but he is gone and I and I, I think other tackles are not worth picking at 17 um, let's see here my top players let me just go through who I think could work for them Chargers Ricky you've clearly put a spoiler in Mark's yes 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 you know you're going to bring you Dustra every now and then <laughs> I yeah, it's either yeah. I'm gonna go for more back, so I'm just trying to make my mind whether I go with Mac McDuffie or yeah, I'm gonna go with McDuffie. Yeah, Trent McDuffie. Yep, right. from Washington. From Washington. All right, so we are at pick number eighteen right now. Yep. Pick number oh, eighteen, right. the Eagles. The Eagles, yeah. They took the wide receiver. Hmm. I believe, yes, they took Chris Olave, right? That's, That's what. Right. Yep, that was correct. Right. 
So we gonna need to look. I believe the Eagles may need it would be a linebacker. It would be uh Eagles they need cornerback for sure. They need cornerback as well. Definitely need cornerback, yeah. So yes, actually you're right. The knee cornerback. I'm gonna go with Andrew Booth Jr. Cornerback, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was the Eagles picking where the Saints initially were going to pick. So now the Saints get to pick where the Eagles were going to pick at number 19. So, Mark, who do my Saints take at number 19? Right. So your Saints, yes, they do need that safety. But, again, I, I, there's some really good safeties. But I, I still think they may be a little bit, um, a little bit high here. And I think actually the best available and meeting needs as far as the Saints are concerned is a wide receiver. Um, I'm just trying to decide which receiver. If it's going to be uh, Johan Dotson. I am thinking, yeah, I'm thinking Johan Dotson. Thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. All right. And right. at this point, the Pittsburgh Steelers run to the podium mm-hmm. and select Malik Willis for the back Liberty. The first could be off the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will leave you with the headache that is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. At this point, a dog will be sitting down in front of Belichick's laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, who do the Patriots select at Toronto? Pitches, um, either is going to be a, a cornerback here or a linebacker. I could see someone like Devin Lloyd fitting in well with Patriots. I'm going to go with Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd. And, and he is what exactly? Linebacker. 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 Cool. Uh, uh, off-ball linebacker. Um, a little but flexible and uh, good. He will be calling the plays. He'll be calling out the plays. Mike Linebacker. Right. Sorry, I almost got lost there. Um, yeah, Rick, so <laughs> Green Bay. Mm. By you're too, Bay you're too interested in the Patriots uh, 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 pick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, I was mulling it in my head and completely forgot. Let me, let me bring it back in right here. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yes. as a part of the, the Devontae trade, the Green Bay Packers now have the 22nd pick. Um, from Las Vegas Raiders, so they're going with who? The Packers are going to do what the Packers do and confuse you. Everyone is going to expect Green Bay to go wide receiver. <laughs> the Packers going to need a linebacker to pair. Um, yes, the Packers are going to definitely need a linebacker in this position. So my prediction here... Is that Green Bay? Mm, let's see which one to go with. All right. My, my prediction here is that Green Bay is going to go with Nicobe Dean, linebacker, University of Georgia. Another Georgia Bulldog. Hmm. Okay. All right. So now from the Forest and Tundra, we head over to the desert. And the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. And with the twenty three pick, 23rd pick of the 2022 draft, the Cardinals select... Hmm, Cardinals. I am going to 
I, yeah, I'm in two minds here about Edge or cornerback, but I'm going to go with Boye Mafe. Edge. All right. Hmm. All right. I like that. Like from the that. desert, from the desert to the south, my current home city. Mm-hmm. All right, Rick. What are the boys and Jerry going to do with this twenty fourth pick? Over the years, that offense line has eroded. You Boy, want me to? Are you writing it down already, Ricky? <laughs> Zion Johnson, offensive lineman. Dallas has to start to rebuild that offensive line. Okay. So now we go to the two-time champion of the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. That was unnecessary, you know that, right? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> the 25th pick of the 2022 draft, the Buffalo Bills select. Devontae Wyatt. Wow. Interior defensive lineman. I'm better, than, I'm better than Jordan Davis, too. Rich get richer. All right, so then we are at Tennessee, the Titans. Remember the Titans at 26. Rick, who are the Titans selecting with the 26th pick in the 2022 NFL draft? This one is a bit of a no-brainer for me because they, too, need to work on their offensive line. There's a young man, only a sophomore, Tyler Smith, offensive lineman, University of Tulsa. He has been mocked to the Titans in so many drafts the last few weeks. And he's one of those picks that simply is not moving. Everyone has put, put him to the Titans. So I'm going to Yeah, he's moved up a bit on the draft board for sure, too. Agreed. He's, he's been a mover. Yeah. All right. So now... We go over to Tampa Bay. The 27th pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are selecting. Christian Watson, wide receiver. Wow. Interesting. 6'4", good route runner. He has a couple drop issues, but I think that could be coached out. But he, he's got everything. He's fast. He's big. He, you know, 4'3 four, four, speed. Hey, at 6'4". Yeah. He's essentially the Antonio Brown re- replacement without the drama. <laughs> All right, so then at the eight, we are back at Green Bay. Uh, so, Rick, Green Bay at 28, where do they go? They grudgingly select a wide receiver. You know they don't want to do it. <laughs> you know it's not in their DNA, but they really need to address it. And they select. The falling Trey Lombard's wide receiver, University of Arkansas. All yeah. right. So now with the 29th pick, we have the Kansas City Chiefs who got this pick from the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I've been hearing that the Chiefs will be looking at wide receiver here. So, Mark, do you agree? Are the Chiefs taking a wide receiver at 29? Nope, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, they also need a safety, right? They need a, not only a safety, but a safety that is very flexible, right? Someone who can do a lot of things. So I'm going with Daxton Hill. He can play slot corner. He can So he can be your new um, 
What's the guy's name? Honey, that? honey Badger. Honey Badger. He could be your new Honey Badger. So I'm going with Daxton Hill. All right. Well then, I will, I will leave Ricky to to choose the uh, wide receiver. Yeah, I was sorry. I was just about to ask you that, Ricky. They didn't take it at twenty nine, but when you have back to back picks, it really doesn't matter, no, does it? Are the Chiefs going to go with a wide receiver with the thirtieth pick in the draft? I say no. I say <laughs> the Chiefs are going to look at what Ken was suggesting earlier and say, "Let me get an asset that is valuable." Mm. at this particular position, at this particular, sorry, point in the draft, and they're going to go with David Ojabo to mm. some damage assets because he tore, he, he tore his Achilles that his pro day, defensive end, University of Michigan. Would have gone higher had he not torn his Achilles at the Michigan play. Mm. Interesting. So Kansas City does not pick his wide receiver in this first round. All right, so now to the losing Super Bowl finalists, the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock mark, and they are selecting at number 31. This is a no-brainer. Kair Elam, cornerback. He replaced the applesauce. Yeah, <laughs> that is definitely needed. <laughs> and he's good. He's, a, he's also a player that's been kind of moving a little bit out of the second rung and making it into the bottom of the first rung. So he may go there. It's possible. Um, I like the David Ajabo pick for the Chiefs. They do need edge. So it could be a good gamble. <laughs> All right. So at the foot of the first round, we go from the beaten, um, the losing Super Bowl team to the lovable losers. Mm -hmm. Lions with their Jared Goff pick. So, Rick, to end off this first round, where, who, what, when, and why yeah. <laughs> do the Lions? I, I, get, I can try, try to answer all of those W's there. <laughs> so, last year, the Lions stockpiled on the offensive side. Dan Campbell has told us that he wants to bite some kneecaps. He is intrinsically a defensive-minded coach. So he is going to do this draft in the reverse. He took Aiden Hutchinson. Well, Aiden Hutchinson fell into his lap. At pick number two, at pick number 32, he's going to go with Lewis Steen. And you know I've had a constant theme. Defensive asset, safety, Georgia Bulldogs. Surprise, surprise, they in Georgia all day and all night long. In this first round. All right. And that brings us to the end of this simulated first round draft. It will be very interesting to see how many of these picks you guys got right when um, Roger Goodell takes to the podium on Thursday. Now, of course, as we mentioned before, the draft is not just one day, it is three days. And you find that most of the players who are making these rosters come from day two. So maybe Friday is the day that we should pay more attention to than Thursday because Thursday is the guys that get a lot of money and then sometimes don't pan out. So we shall see. <clears throat> Excuse me. This draft is proving to be very, very interesting. Just like um, what we're seeing in the NBA playoffs. We can't call a winner 
Right now, everything is up in the air, and we're just going to have to wait and see how it all plays out. Now, before we get out of here, just one matter of housekeeping. AJ and I will be with you on Sunday afternoon. On Sunday, we are going to be going live on Instagram. Depending on where you are in the world, that could be 1 p.m. where I am in the mountain time zone, 2 p.m. where he is in Central, or 3 p.m. on the East Coast and the Caribbean. There's a lot of stuff happening in the NBA playoffs. We haven't touched on anything really today, except for what I mentioned in the opening. So that is, we're going to be getting into some stuff on Sunday. So come join us at that time. Of course, we do want to thank you, our guests as well. Mark, we definitely appreciate your insight. Ricky, it's always great to have you with us. And of course... You guys will be back with us again next week because after we've previewed, we then have to review what happened in this draft. Any parting words for the folks before we get out of here? I, I was just saying we didn't we didn't simulate um, teams trading down, but the rumor mill is also turning that some of these teams are going to be looking to trade down. Uh, Mark and I always say it's hard to do. If you don't have people who are willing to trade up. So I think what may happen is that teams will have to wait until panic sets in. If you notice, we just did this simulation and there was only one quarterback going in 32 first round picks. Mm -hmm. I don't personally think that will happen because I don't think that teams have the patience to see talent and leave it alone um, at the quarterback position. So I think what may happen is that one or two of these teams, it may well be our, our beloved New York teams, may find a trade partner who wants a Malik Willis, who wants a Kenny Pickett, who wants a Matt Corral, because somehow they've convinced themselves that somebody else wants them, and they may panic a bit, and we get some movement. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I don't see NFL teams that are in need of a quarterback being disciplined enough, certainly those that are 16 and below, being disciplined enough to not want to move up and take a chance on one or two of these quarterbacks. Yeah, I I I agree, I agree with that. I, I, yeah, we only pick one quarterback just now, and I I don't think that's going to be the case. I think probably two or three are going to come off, and um, yeah, two or three are going to come off. I I think so, and maybe also someone right at the top of the second round. But um, I yeah, I it's interesting. You have eight teams with multiple picks. Right. I mean, that's that's unheard of. It is my picks. I I did I did hear a rumor that that uh, the Giants might do something that that people are not predicting with their fifth pick. I don't know what that is. Doesn't sound very good to me. Yes. Thursday night when Mark starts throwing things, I will record it and send it to you. <laughs> Maybe he told me the seventh pick or something. I can understand the fifth pick. Like, hmm. And I'm sort of thinking the only odd thing that I could be thinking of is of picking a wide receiver, and that's possible because think about it. The Giants have Kenny Galladay. They can get rid of next year. Shepard's on one-year contract. Tony is playing the fool, and he may not be around. So all of a sudden, and Slayton could be traded even this year for salary cap purposes. So. When you think about it, Giants may very well want a top-notch um, 
wide receiver, so you never know. It could happen. The only, um, the only thing I regret, gentlemen, is that we didn't have a recording of AJ, the the night of the draft when the New England Patriots selected Nikhil Harry. Instead, <laughs> instead, I won't even call his name. I will just leave <laughs> it alone. When they selected Nikhil Harry, I won't even speak instead. If there's one thing that one memory I would love you to, to continue to carry with me, um, Rick, is that night. It is that night. Because I know it's ingrained in your memory, my reaction on that. Uh, boy, look, it's, it still haunts me. It still haunts me. Oh, boy. That, no, it's, yeah. So I think it happened in this draft. It really is up in the air. I really don't know. Yeah. I'm very interested in see, seeing what happens. Come tomorrow night. Let me also say, guys, that it is a good feeling to know that we're going to have a draft party on Thursday night where we are wrong each other for the first time in three years. I need to add them. That's true. Yeah. That's a that is a fantastic note to end this week's episode. So for those who have been with us all the way through, we thank you for spending a portion of your day with us here at the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.